When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. So here I am recording Friday morning uh, with an eye on the markets. I'm recording this relatively shortly after the November payroll data uh, came out, which uh, in brief, or at least the the headline here is is that payroll data kind of smashed expectations. That's at least the headline from Zero Hedge. Um, 266,000 jobs added compared to a uh, consensus uh, around 185,000, at least by Deutsche Bank. Um, so that's a pretty significant, uh, I guess, rise um, compared to what was expected in terms of employment. And and I'll admit it, it wasn't at all what I expected. In fact, earlier this week, I talked about the, the jobs market slowly but surely rolling over. And, and that certainly is going to have to wait for a little while longer. Now, I, I do want to remind you that when it comes to the jobs market and U.S. unemployment rate, um, it, <laughs> I don't know how much lower it can go. It's at 3.5%, the lowest it has been since the late sixties, right? Uh, since 1950, the only time it's been lower is maybe 53, 1953, when it was actually, um, under 3% for, for a period of time. Uh, I'll start off with this. Um, I don't have a whole lot of respect for government data in the first place. And, and, Honestly, when it comes to these jobs numbers, I always take it with a grain of salt. I think everybody from both parties uh, should realize, if they're intellectually consistent and honest, that that these job numbers are don't really significant uh, signify a great economic picture. Um, Obama had great job numbers, and and so did Trump, uh, but these job numbers are, are not representative of, of the real economy uh, for a variety of reasons that, you know, we, we could go into a very long discussion about the birth death model and, and the flaws with that. We talk about how this fails to capture those that are no longer in the workforce because they gave up looking for jobs. Um, it, it, it certainly is not the true unemployment rate that was touted uh, by, by conservatives time and time again, back during the Obama presidency. And I'm not, I'm not making this an anti-Trump message. I'm simply saying, let's be intellectually consistent and and honest with ourselves. Um, and also, uh, these, these job numbers also do a pretty bad job accounting for, uh, underemployment, um, or, or if that makes sense, uh, individuals that may have a job, but, but may not be working, you know, full time. That's, that's not, Really, a job, as far as I'm concerned, a full job, as far as as these economic numbers. But but I'm not going to go too much and, and get too bitter about how messed up these economic numbers are in the first place. They're 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 messed up. They're like so many things, GDP and inflation, and whatnot, very easily skewed in one direction or another. Oftentimes, regardless of who's in office, they're skewed to to make the government and the economy look better than it actually is. But nonetheless, hey, I was wrong. These, these numbers were far better than I expected. This unemployment rate, though, uh, just just to remind you guys, you know, if you look at a chart over it uh, of the, the unemployment rate in the United States over the last 50 years, generally speaking, when it finds a bottom in the rate, 
it does not hang out there for very long. So, for example, prior to the Great Recession, uh, it, it found a bottom in the unemployment rate and stayed there for mm, maybe a year, not even that, before it turned around and, and pretty quickly in, in a year or two's time was far, far higher than what the bottom was. You know, the bottom was around maybe four and a half, four point four percent 4.4%. The high, a year or two later, was about 10%. These things can turn around very quickly. The same is true for the, the 01 recession or the 2000-2001 recession and dot-com bubble popping. Same is true for the late 80s, early 90s. And time and time again, it turns around very quickly to the upside. This can, can get out of hand pretty quickly. Um, so for those of you that are holding out hope that that recession is coming, well, again, these job numbers and, and the economy can roll over very quickly. And personally... Even though I do take these numbers with a grain of salt, uh, the market moves that they create are, are very much real, even if these markets are, are less than real. And, of course, this morning, uh, the, the, to sum it up, what we've seen thus far is a significant move down in precious metals. Gold currently trading around 1460 as I'm recording. Who knows, by the time you listen to this, it could be much, much lower. Silver around 1660 as I'm recording. Uh, the dollar has risen considerably. Stocks are up on the day. And, you know, this is, I think, by the Fed, even as suggested by uh, in, in, in this Zero Hedge article, um, uh, talking about November payrolls and how, uh, uh, according to uh, the Bloomberg uh, Fed reporter Steve Matthews, how this is going to be touted as, as I don't know, vindication for the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell, how this is going to be proof that, hey, the economy is not that bad, just like we've been saying, and we don't need to cut rates more. Now, first of all, I think that's that's bogus. Interest rates continue to be near all-time lows. I'm talking all-time lows uh, throughout human history. The U.S. is barely above 0%, all things considered. We're only at you know, a little under 2% in terms of the Fed funds rate. So that is bogus. But in addition to that, the Fed has had to to engage in massive support of the markets over the last couple months. Huge quantitative easing and repo market operations, in addition to the three rate cuts that we've had this year. And and so to say that, like, the Fed is, is like, oh, yeah, the economy's great and everything, um, they've had to engage in balance sheet. They, they've you know, they're well on their way to, to completely erasing any progress they made in reducing their balance sheet during that entire period of quantitative tightening, which, if I remember correctly, extended all the way from uh, the last quarter of 2017 all the way through, uh, I think, September of this year, September or August, right? And they've already almost undone all of that progress by increasing their balance sheet through these repo operations, which continue to require more and more liquidity added to the system, plus quantitative easing, $60 billion a month of quantitative easing, plus three interest rate cuts, 0.75%, 75 basis points. That's what I call support for the economy, uh, life support in many ways for the economy, right? Things aren't as bad here as they are in Europe or, or Japan in terms of what their central banks have to do. Uh, but but yeah, our Federal Reserve is still offering a ton of preemptive support for the economy before we even head into a recession. And so Jerome Powell can go out there and say, hey, look, the economy's fine. We don't have to cut interest rates or anything like that. But remind yourself, 
The Fed has already cut interest rate three times this year, despite the fact that officially we're not in a recession. Plus, they're currently doing QE on the scale of $60 billion a month. Plus, they're doing repo operations, which are already in the hundreds of billions and continue to grow as they get more concerned about year-end liquidity problems. Uh, furthermore, another reason why I think that this could be uh, problematic is is right now we have stocks basically around all-time highs. They, they've pulled back, if I remember correctly. I don't know how far they are from all-time highs again. But, but you know, the S&P is up above 3,100 still. The Dow Jones is, what, up above 27,000, 28,000. Gosh, it just seems like not so long ago that, that the, the Dow was finally topping 20,000. And here we are, not all that far from, from 30,000. And as it relates to Donald Trump and and the White House and and, and policies he's carrying out, I, I think these types of numbers, uh, on the surface, great job numbers, as well as um, the, the fact that the economy is not in a recession and the stock market is basically at all time highs, serves to embolden him. And and I get it. Um, you know, as as I think it was James Carville, uh, former Bill Clinton. Uh, um, campaign manager said it very eloquently, it's the economy, stupid. And if at least on the surface you have everyone believing that the economy is doing all right, I mean, even Democrats who who kind of uh, back themselves into to, uh, a corner in what they can and can't say about these economic numbers because they, they touted them so often during the Obama era, whether it's the economic, economic number of, of the stock market going up or unemployment or GDP, um, even they acknowledge that, yeah, even if they are, are fervent anti-Trumpers or, or just hate the guy, the economy's not doing that bad. And I think what that ultimately does is it serves to embolden Trump, as maybe it should. You know, if if your measuring stick for success or failure is the stock market, um, these phony unemployment numbers, uh, or, or just the phony GDP numbers, then, yeah, I mean, Trump should be pretty bold with what he's doing right now. And, and, and that worries me because he has a lot on his plate heading into year end. And I discussed some of this the other day uh, talking about um, the trade deal or, or, or the ongoing at least discussions around it. And this is, at least on the surface, even though we, we know that these things are, are not representative of the true economy and that these indicators can turn around very quickly, just like the stock market can crash very quickly. Um, these are, this, this lends some, some credence to, to maybe Trump's claims that, that the U.S. is winning this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Trade war with China. That these strong economic numbers, stocks near all-time highs, even if they shouldn't be, even if you and I want to fight it, if you and I think it's just ridiculous, regardless of your views of Trump, the, the market and, and these numbers are not indicative of, of the real economy. It uh, it led some credence to that theory, 
and it allows him to have some room for for uh, raising tariffs on China, some room for further escalating this. Because if stocks are near all-time highs and stocks fall by 5% because he decides to not suspend tariffs uh, and or raise tariffs even here in the middle of the month, or, or if he decides to just basically... Uh, back away from the negotiating table with China because of our point of, of relative economic strength, then then I think that's exactly what's going to happen. This isn't good news, I don't think, for the, for the trade deal. If we're doing all right, at least according to these phony numbers, uh, in the midst of a trade war, without some sort of a, a trade deal with, with China, that's that's not good news for the future prospects of this, right? He can say basically like, Look, we're doing fine. Look at the stock market. Look at the job numbers. We're doing fine. We don't need a trade deal. We can hold out as long as we need to. I can go on the 2020 campaign trail and dangle this in front of my voters and say, we're going to bring jobs back. We're going to get a trade deal and everything. But I want the best possible deal from China because we're at a point of, of relative strength. Now, that's that's not good news for the stock market. Um, I think China, frankly... Uh, like many of us, are, are kind of sick of, of the drama surrounding this, this trade discussions. Um, I think uh, we're, we're one step away, not from this being worked out, but from talks completely falling apart. And, and I think they could do just that if Trump ultimately comes out and says or feels that, hey, we're in a good spot. We don't need to, to hurry along this deal, uh, which, which may be different from how he felt uh, maybe a, a couple months ago, right when when more people in the mainstream media were expecting a recession and and the market wasn't doing quite as well and yeah all of that so that'll be interesting to see but also we have the situation with with Iran and with North Korea which I also mentioned in my video I, I think just yesterday my podcast yesterday talking about how how uh, geopolitical problems with North Korea and Iran are are on the horizon. How uh, North Korea and and the United States are now, if I remember right, or if I read correctly, Donald Trump and and Kim Jong Un are now trading insults again. That they are, um, you know, that, that the two countries are are on a collision course, and and the you know the intersection of these two lines are are, you know, it finds itself around year end, around Christmas time. North Korea has said that they have a gift for us around Christmas time, and and. Believe me, that's that's a very sarcastic term. They've used it in the past. They've used that term gift in the past, back in 2017, right before they lobbed an ICBM uh, into the ocean several several hundred miles off their coast, right? Uh, if I remember correctly, an ICBM that most experts felt probably could, could reach Los Angeles if they were lucky, San Diego, certainly Hawaii or Guam. So I, I don't think that this type of economic information is is uh great for the united states in terms of of geopolitical problems i think it emboldens the administration and maybe rightfully so but but i think what we need right now in in a perfect world would be peace uh with some of these countries we need a lot of negotiations we need to to work these things out with north korea iran china not because i think those are great countries at all i'm not a fan of them at all but i think the alternative with any three of those countries is inevitable, and and that inevitability is is war, outright conflict, which means hundreds of thousands, if not millions, 
dead, depending on which country we're talking about and, and, you know, the scale of a potential conflict. You know, moving on to precious metals, you know, yesterday I talked about my high conviction prediction of, of gold moving up um, pretty significantly over the next month or two. And, and I'm not strained at all from that, even despite the down day today. Um, I think the market can still turn around fairly quickly for both silver and gold here. I'm not too concerned about this drop. Take it as a buying opportunity for for silver, for gold, if, if you're still buying gold at these levels. It's just be a matter of how much they fall. I mean, at this point, at least early this morning, gold is still finding support around 1460, which is fine. This isn't that large of a drop, all things considered. This is where gold was earlier this week. And and I'm not really strained from that prediction. It, it just might take a little longer to play out. But but again, I think heading into year end and, and early 2020, seasonality points to markets moving up for silver and gold. Um, those geopolitical risks, whether it's the trade deal, Iran, North Korea, or others potentially, that all points to uh, the potential for a major shock to the upside for silver and gold. And in addition to that, you also have the Federal Reserve, which, hey, very well might come out in their December meeting and do one of two things. Either A, they're going to come out and say, well, you know, maybe we should still be supportive of the economy through, uh, through REAP operations, QE, etc., despite the fact that, that they shouldn't be if you're listening to these job numbers. Or they're going to come out and say, well, hey, the economy's great. You guys got it from here which is exactly what they did in late 2018, I don't expect that mistake from Powell to occur again. And so despite the fact that metals are down today because of, I think, an expectation that with stronger economic numbers, stronger job numbers at least, the the Fed is less likely to ease, um, I don't see Powell making that mistake again, that just because of short-term economic data, which looks decent, um, the Fed is going to to rule out uh, some major easing uh, in in the short term, or or even uh, talk about raising rates again. I don't think Powell's going to make that mistake again. I think uh, it's going to be steady. She goes into 2020, um, continuing QE, continuing repo market operations, and ultimately still leaving the door open for more rate cuts uh, in in early 2020. Um, because let's be honest, the market needs them. There's, there's a major financial entity, probably a bank, maybe Deutsche Bank, maybe others, that has this huge need for liquidity and, and relatively easy uh, um, financial conditions, uh, as evidenced by, by the Fed and their feverish operations in the, the repo markets. Um, th- things are not all dandy, and, and I'm just here to remind you of just that, um, that despite these, these good numbers, uh, I don't think that this means we uh, should all of a sudden be taken off of recession watch heading into 2020 in the election year. I don't think we should stop. If anything, we should be more concerned about the future of, of negotiations with Iran, North Korea, and China. And and I think it sets up to, uh, um, December to be a, a uh, you know, this could be potentially the, the blow-off top for, for the market that we're seeing here as they retrace some of their losses over the last week. Um, we, we very well could see the market find a, a, a some new highs here in the the short term and that could be it right that could be the highs for the markets and and if you watch some of my recent content maybe the highs for the markets for the next 10 years 20 years 30 years but as always i'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today if you want to support me there's a couple great ways that you can do that um first of all just watching or listening to this podcast 
is, is more than enough. But subscribing would help if you enjoy my content and you want to get more of it in the future. But beyond that, you can also support me over on Patreon where I have increasingly more and more perks for my Patreon members, including uh, allowing you guys to have more direction over what type of content I create. You get a, a once-weekly exclusive podcast, exclusive to, to Patreon. And additionally, I have a, a new um, perk, which is basically a private chat through Telegram, um, which is a, an encrypted uh, messaging um, platform and and it's a small chat group because i just started it this week but i'd love to have you guys join me and and i certainly would like to think that that what i do here in this channel is worth at least a dollar a month in terms of value to a lot of my longtime listeners and supporters but as always i don't want to beg from you guys i'm just happy to have you guys here in the first place i just kindly ask that you consider that there's a link below in the description if you want to check it out even if you're not going to support me but as always i'm just happy to have you here in the first place so thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing just that and god bless